We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. the Roadwire NBA podcast. It is Wednesday, July 11th. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Uh, we are back after a, I think, more than two-week hiatus. Uh, yes, James and before I, the draft. Yeah, James and I recorded a pod the day of the draft. Um, everybody in this office, ourselves included, have been traveling. There's been 4th of July. Um, and there's, obviously, with it being baseball season, our studio has been busy. Uh, but we are back. And... There's quite a bit to talk about. A lot has transpired um, in the last three weeks in the NBA. We won't go back and touch on every single signing. Um, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, there's at least 100% chance that you listen to other NBA podcasts. Right. I can't imagine this is the only one that you listen to. So you're probably not here to, to hear us break down uh, LeBron to the Lakers or DeMarcus Cousins to the Warriors. You know, I'm sure we'll touch on those things, uh, but we'll kind of try to keep it more general. Uh, and we'll get into some summer league stuff as well. Uh, a couple birthdays that I wanted to note today. Wesley Johnson, oh. a member of that uh, that vaunted 2010 Timberwolves team. Right. Um, a lot of old people's birthdays today. Somebody <laughs> named Woody Salisbury. That's a great uh, name. He went by Saldy. He uh, 
popped up in the league in 1957. He was an all-star in 1958. Uh, okay. I think we all remember that year. He shot 36% from the field in route to that all-star bid and played a league-high 72 games. Uh, he retired at age 28, sat out two years, and then came back oh. and was somehow even worse. Well, that last year, uh, while playing for the Boston Celtics, shot 32% from the field. Um, it's like Brandon Jennings. Right, exactly. It's also uh, somebody named John Pilch, his birthday. Um, never really heard about him before. No. Um, somebody named Ed Sadowski, who looks like he played one game in the NBA in 1917. Okay. And that was it. <laughs> Uh, but back to, I mean, all joking aside, back to the 2010 draft, um, i like to, as anybody who's listened to this podcast knows, like to use these birthdays as an excuse to basically go back and look at uh, random drafts from the past 10 or 15 years. 2010 turned out okay. You had John Wall one. Obviously, that worked out well. Mm-hmm. Evan Turner two. He is the definition of like not really a bust, right? Like no one, no one's going to consider Evan Turner a bust. When you say you know he has he lived up to number two overall pick expectations, probably not. No, um, but he's you know he's been basically a starter almost everywhere he's been, and if not a starter, he's been the sixth man. Speaking of Evan Turner, uh, he had he had quite the interaction on Instagram today. Did you catch this? No. I forget. Somebody captured it and, and tweeted it out. I don't think I actually follow Evan Turner, which is clearly a mistake. Yeah. He commented on a what appears to be some sort of model. Um, her name is Sarah McDonald with three Ds. Okay. I don't know if that's intentional or not. It sure could be. Um, she is taking a mirror selfie. She's wearing uh, very skimpy clothing. Evan Turner comments, quote, that ass fatter than a swamp possum with the mumps. <laughs> what again that ass fatter than a swamp possum with the mumps from former number two overall pick evan Evan turner Turner. so that's what he's up to that's what that's that's a chandler parsons level online interaction yeah um i think that might even be a step further i think so i've really been enjoying the carmelo anthony uh like Twitter or Instagram posts where it's like it's just him smoking cigars, yeah. just saying like "stay mellow" just like and just putting like on everybody, like, yeah, cheesy quotes and even even like before he officially exercised his player option for this year, like he was posting <laughs> Instagrams like bragging that he was going to do it. Basically, like, what are you going to do? You know, like, that's not that's probably the exact opposite of what he should be doing. Uh, but we'll get into mellow, of course, in a little bit. I wanted to ask you, as someone who probably knows the Bucks as well, if not better than I do. Looking at this 2010 class, six players from that class ended up playing for the Bucks at one point <laughs> or another. Can you name all six? Um, was that the Joy Alexander year? No, mercifully, it was after that. Um, it was the Larry Sanders year. I'll give you that. It was the Larry Sanders year? Yes. Um, oh man, I don't even think I, I don't think I'm gonna be able to get this. There's a couple tough ones. I'll tell you that. Um, uh, I mean, I'm looking now. Okay, but. Even then, it's tough. I had to, I had to double Udo. check on a few. Epe Udo. Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe. Um, let's see. Oh, man. Uh, Grievous Vasquez. Grievous Vasquez. Um, and I'd like to note, I that's the one that I had to double check. It was like, I feel like he played for the Bucks, which he did. That I was served. kid trade. Well, kid right. traded for it. That was the pick that turned into Norman Powell for the, yes. the Raptors. I Googled Gravis Vasquez Bucks just to verify. And here's a sampling of some of the headlines that appear on Google. This is the first page of results. Milwaukee Bucks, 10 worst trades in franchise history. <laughs> Milwaukee Bucks pay hefty price for Vasquez. 
Bucks beat. Vasquez trade. Not looking good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that one did not work out well. I don't. He hasn't played really since then. I think he he broke his foot, I believe, and then had a couple complications over. with that. I, I want to say I could be confusing him with Carlos Delfino. Very similar situations oh, yeah. that were happening concurrently. Um, I'm really struggling with the rest of these. Well, we got Monroe, list. Bledsoe, Sanders, Udo, Bledsoe? Vasquez, and Darrington Hobson. Oh, who the Bucks actually picked that year? I believe he immediately got hurt with like a hip injury, and played five NBA games and never played again. That happens sometimes. Sure does. Um, okay, let's get into summer league stuff. Um, I think I'd probably watch more summer league this year than ever, due in large part yeah. to the fact that one, there are more games than ever. They are much more widely available. Um, and the league has also done a much better job of like keeping track of statistics and accurate box right. scores. Even as recently as last year and the year before, you would have just like wildly incomplete box scores. You know, one team would have a full box score. The other team would have like two guys and that was it. Um, so, you know, if you're in the business that we are in, this is extremely convenient. Um, and even if you want to check in on summer league, it's so much easier to do that this year. Even ESPN has complete box scores, which is nice. Yeah. Um, but the first guy I wanted to hit on, and I I put something up on the site earlier today, kind of recapping the best players from, from opening week. And you did the same a couple of days ago, focusing on just the first couple of days. Um, Kevin Knox looks very good. He does. What I wrote, um, is that. Like all, pretty much all off season, people have asked me like, "Who's this year's Donovan Mitchell?" I think that's a question that pretty much everybody is asking. Yeah, there's not always a Donovan Mitchell. Almost never is there a Donovan Mitchell. Uh, but I guess if you want, if I, if you like, gun to my head, made me say like, "Who's somebody who went outside the top five, You know, who you could really see winning Rookie of the Year or having a huge year? I don't know if I would have said Kevin Knox three days ago. Um, but the way that he's played these last few games, the assertiveness with which he's played. You know, he's not really similar to Donovan Mitchell at all as a player, but the type of shots that he's comfortable taking, he's taking more field goals than anyone else in Las Vegas through okay. three games. He's averaging like 23 and a half points per game. He had five threes last night. Yeah, he's um, taking seven threes a game, 38%. Right. He's shooting under 40%. So, you know, it's not like he's lighting the world on fire necessarily, but that type of confidence from a kid who doesn't even turn 19 for another month. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I, I think the Knicks are going to be one of the three worst teams in the league next year. But if you're looking for, he's probably not even a long shot. I'm sure his rookie of the year odds have come up. But if you're looking for a contrarian rookie of the year bet or just a rookie of the year pick, he makes some sense to me because he should have the opportunities. You know, it's going to be a yeah. bad team, even if they kind of trick themselves into trying to win for the first 20 games of the year. Like at some point, Kevin Knox, you know, whether it's in mid November or mid February, is going to start playing 25, 30 minutes a game, you would think. Right, because their roster, like if we just if we just take Chris Stapps out of the picture, because we don't even Which really I know. Which I think you have to at this yeah, point. Yeah, we don't know what's happening with that at all. Um, Knox could end up being what the like the third best player on the team. I mean, they have, I mean, they're basically just right now their starting lineup might be like Frank Nilakina, Tim Hardaway, Kevin Knox, Lance Thomas. Do they even have a power forward? Well, they and lost then, O'Quinn and then Enos Cantor. Right. So like. Luke yeah. Cornett. Yeah. I mean, I think Knox might start at power forward. He might. I think yeah. that's probably the was he, move. Was he like six six? I think he's like six eight. Six, oh, six nine. nine. I didn't realize yeah. he was that tall. No, he was. He was one of the few guys who came to the combine and actually measured better than people thought. Like usually, okay. you find out that somebody's listed an inch and a half, right? Um, but know, higher. But yeah, I think he he can play the four or the three. Okay. I mean, and as far as rookie of the year odds, yeah, he's he's a good guy to theoretically bet on if you want to win 
like significant money because mm-hmm. he's gonna he he should take a lot of shots for the team. They don't really have any too many other like aggressive scorers um, or guys who just are you would trust a Tim Hardaway's ears just perked up. Yeah, <laughs> aside from Tim Hardaway, which is a weird thing to say, and like you know feeding the ball to Enos Cantor, but um, he. You know, the Knicks, I mean, they had the chance to take, like, Michael Porter. I mean, a lot of people had the chance to take Michael Porter. And they felt that Kevin Knox was just long-term, would maybe be as good as Michael Porter. Mm-hmm. There was a chance with the injury. But, um, yeah, he looks, I mean, I think way better than, than people even thought. And I, I had heard some people being high on him. But, I mean, 23 points a game through three summer league games is pretty impressive. So I have the odds up right now. This is courtesy of Bovada. Kevin Knox is tied with Mo Bamba for the seventh best odds. So it's in order. Doncic, Aiton, Bagley, Sexton, Young, Jaron Jackson, and then Bamba and Kevin Knox uh, and Michael Porter, weirdly enough. I would not advise betting on Michael Porter in any scenario this year uh, are all at plus 1,600. If you're not familiar with what that means, that means if you bet $100 on Kevin Knox to win Rookie of the Year right now, and he does, you would win $1,600. Sexton feels like way too high for me. I haven't seen anything. 700. I haven't seen anything in Summer League that makes me think, because he's not getting, he doesn't really seem, he's not getting any assists. He's just no. like a scoring point guard. And that's, I don't, and Cleveland's future is so like up in the air. Like a guy that I like for kind of long shot odds other than Kevin Knox is Wendell Carter Jr. Yes. Um, and that's, last time I checked, that was plus 3,000, which basically if you, you know, bet $10, you get your, you get another flight to Vegas if you win. Right. Go um, cash that. Cash that, exactly. So, I mean, is there really a formula for winning Rookie of the Year in the NBA? I, I forget what pod I was listening to earlier this week, and, and I think I think the name they mentioned, you know, not that this is a surprise, the favorite is, was Doncic. Um, and I think, I think Jaron Jackson was maybe mentioned because, you know, whoever it was was like, well, you know, you have to be on a good team to, to win Rookie of the Year. I don't think that's really true. Like you look back, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon in 2017 was obviously an anomaly just because that was such a bad class. But the Wolves in 2016 weren't good. The Wolves in 2015 weren't good when Towns and Wiggins won. And MCW won it on that horrible Sixers team. Yeah, Kyrie won it on a really bad Cavs team. I, I think there is some some worth to that but it's to me it's like 80 20 stats versus team performance yeah i think it just mostly comes down to usage which is like if so if you just essentially are picking guys who are going to play them like you you think about the minutes these guys are going to get and um what their stats could theoretically Mm be like even if you know like i think knox could do it from a scoring perspective i don't know if he's going to get really any like defensive or he might get some rebound. If he's playing power forward, he'll get the rebounding, which actually mm-hmm. can help. Um, but, yeah, I think it mostly comes down to usage. And Doncic is a guy who may not – I mean, they have, like, Dennis Smith Jr. And Harrison Barnes is on the team. He's a, He just – he he takes, what, 20 shots a game, um, basically. Yeah, I, it feels I, like that. I think Doncic, in a lot of ways, will probably be the most – impactful rookie like he'll be the rookie that helps you win the most games right but i don't think his numbers are going to be good like i could see Doncic averaging like nine five and five you know which yeah. to me would be a pretty good rookie year and doing it, it pretty be. efficiently you know i think they're going to be careful with how they use him and like you said he has the he has more established maybe not better teammates around him than some of these other guys do but more established guys who i, I think are they're not just you know harrison Barnes isn't just going to sacrifice 10 shots a game mm-hmm. to go to to Doncic. yeah dennis smith you know, you're kind of trying to develop two guys at once, which we've seen 
a lot of teams have trouble doing that. It's really hard when you when you have three or you know I think Philly was kind of a good example for a while. Like you can't develop everybody at once because if you want them all to be superstars, you know somebody has to end up taking a back seat. Yeah. Um, but in terms of looking at the last few or the last you know 15 rookies of the year, 14 of the last 15 with Brogdon being the exception, averaged at least 15 points per game. Okay. So that's kind of the benchmark. I don't think this is going to be like 2017 where, you know, you just give it to the the best of the worst, which is basically oh. what was Brogdon. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, if you want to use that as a cutoff, it's like, all right, who's going to average 15 points per game? You know, Sexton could. Trey Young certainly could. Um, I know you and I have kind of gone back and forth on Aiton. I, yeah. It, I've heard a lot of people say, like, he could be 2010 as a rookie. I think he could get to ten rebounds pretty easily. Like if you watch some of their some of the Suns games, he he's not just pulling down you know, quote unquote NBA rebounds where there's nobody around him. You know Dwight Howard type of rebounds. Like he was battling for rebounds. <laughs> just and throwing winning. Dwight Howard yeah. under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm a Dwight guy. I can say what I want. Um, <laughs> but he like he's battling for these rebounds. Like going out of his way, being the first guy who's making contact. Like you know when they played against um, the Kings. I mean he was just. There were a couple times where he would just get his body on Harry Giles or Marvin Bagley right. and go up, you know, right at the same time in those guys and just win the one-on-one rebounding battle. So I think he's going to, I think it'll be closer to like 13 and 10 or 14, 10 and a block and a half, something like that. Yeah. I don't, th- I thought I would be surprised if he cracks like one and a half assists per game. And that's right. not really a knock on him. He's a decent passer. It's just rookie centers don't really rack up assists especially his profile no i think the things that will will kind of determine his scoring are like you mentioned his rebounding he's getting four offensive rebounds a game which is really good and if he can continue being an offensive rebounder a lot of guys or he seems like the guy who as soon as he gets an offensive rebound he's putting it back up he's not looking to he's not looking to pass so if he can continue offensive rebounding well then he'll get you know maybe like four points a game off that and then i think the rest of it you know, they'll probably feed him once, a, you know, a decent amount in the post as much as teams even do that sort of a thing anymore. But then I think it comes down to whether or not he's comfortable shooting threes at the NBA level. And he hasn't taken a three yet in summer right. league. So that's, and that was a little bit of a selling point. And I, I know people like didn't say it was necessarily going to be ready like today, like he was going to take three or four a game mm-hmm. or anything like that. But I would have liked to see him. I think he should, he should shoot one right in summer <laughs> this is, league. well this is the time to do <laughs> this is the it, time like, to, this yeah. is the time when usually when usually someone comes in with those expectations and takes way more than they should not yeah. way fewer than they should um but no for, i mean i think for the most part a lot of these guys have played within themselves at summer league like you know, all the names that we just talked about like have any of them like woefully disappointed so far i mean trey young was really bad um i think it was in the utah it was, utah. Was it? utah yeah. league yeah but I mean, he had seven threes last night. I mean, better. he's clearly got, he's definitely gotten better in Vegas. I'm still extremely skeptical. Um, but you know, I mean, it's summer league, and I, I mean, I guess Bagley to some extent was a little disappointing. He's, he's hurt right now. Yeah, Bagley like wasn't his field goal attempts are way lower than mm-hmm. I would have expected. He's just not taking like as many shots as I thought. Yeah. So that's I think that might be an issue starting off. I don't know if that's going to be like a, but. This is also a really tough environment to evaluate players because, I mean, I, it kind of is. But the Kings are playing with like their real right. team, and that's that's also something I wrote today. Is like they're one and two right now with basically the start like half over half of the starting five that they're going to roll out in a few months. They're going to be really bad. I don't think there's any debate about that. No, no. I mean, like I like 
Bogdan Bogdanovich and like mm-hmm. Willie Cauley Stein and Buddy Heald. Like I like those guys, but yeah. none of those. I don't expect any of those guys to make an all-star game ever. Did you see that story from over the weekend? Um, the Clippers played Sacramento and, and beat them in Vegas. And after the game, Cinderius Thornwell, who's been playing well for the Clippers, yeah. said to drafted somebody, by the Bucks, drafted by the Bucks, said said to some reporter, "Yeah, De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald were were sitting courtside, trash talking me the whole game, saying how bad I was and how bad I'm getting burned." And then I think Thornwell scored like 11 points in the fourth quarter and beat him. <laughs> like, what makes Buddy Heald think he's <laughs> he's allowed to come to summer league, sit courtside? Yeah, not only sit courtside, but also you know talk sauce to to other players i thought that was pretty interesting it's it's a little funny like yeah i mean he he healed is like actually a really good three-point shooter like i think that kind of gets swept under the rug yeah. like 43 percent last year was on five attempts a year. game um he's not gonna be the next steph curry but if he can figure out a way to get like you know four assists a game instead of two well you i think it was you who told me no one on the kings averaged 30 minutes per game last year right? exactly which i mean and that and that's another thing with like when you're talking about rookie of the year odds, it's like, are they gonna do that again with Bagley? Are they just gonna play like their entire team twenty three minutes a game? You know? And so that's that's kind of a tough thing to to look at. I, I guess they're just kind of feeling guys out. Yeah. And seeing who does well in the same amount of minutes. I really have no idea what they're up to. I'm not even honestly going to speculate. It would be reckless for me to, to act like <laughs> I know reckless what the Kings are going to speculation do. about the Kings. Okay, let's go through another or a few more guys uh, from Summer League that we want to talk about. Malik Bunk was probably at the top of my list in terms of players I was excited to watch. He played pretty well in the first game and then immediately broke his finger. So he's there is some debate as to whether the finger is actually broken now, apparently. But either way, I would be shocked, You know, even if it's not broken, if they throw him back out there. He had, I think, 23 points in their first game before getting hurt. Had 11 in a row at one point. Yeah. Um, he would have been my odds-on favorite to win Summer League MVP. Like He is he is the exact profile of somebody who yeah. would win that award. Yep, just like a more or less a pure scorer. Yeah. Because um, he, yeah, 23 points, two assists. So I think that's kind of his, kind of his deal. But, yeah. I mean, what, his development's huge for Charlotte this year. Um, I don't even – I mean, they – I guess they could. I want to say they could make the playoffs, but the I don't even well, understand what the East is anymore. So you know, let's not speak too soon. We'll, yeah, we'll get into we'll get that. There. I think by default they very well may make the playoffs. Uh, Orlando is has been one of the teams that I think we both earmarked to watch as much as we can. Bamba Bamba's been good. They're playing him only like 19 minutes per game. Yeah, he he did have five fouls going up against Aiton, although he didn't really guard Aiton directly all that much against Phoenix. Um, but I mean, five fouls in summer league is not that much. I no. mean, guys routinely pick up five, six, seven. I mean, there's, there's always a couple guys each year who get to 10. Um, but he only had three total fouls in his first two games combined, which I thought was really encouraging because that was one of the concerns, you know, he wasn't really in foul trouble all that much at Texas, but you know, with somebody who profiles as a shot blocker first, you know, you always kind of worry about being a little overzealous with that, but I think he's been good. He just, he's just hasn't been all that assertive. Uh, which is fine. I mean, I, I don't think you necessarily want him taking eight threes a game in summer league. No. And he is playing on a team in Orlando that has some talent. You know, like Isaac's the number one guy. Isaiah Briscoe is, you know, a guy who they just signed and who's going to be on the team next year, who's, you know, been sucking up a lot of usage. So, like, it's not like they're dumping it down to him and he's just missing everything. Right. He just hasn't taken that many shots. I think he's only taken something like 20 shots through three games. It's 20. And. <clears throat> like you said, he hasn't played that many minutes, but if you look at kind of like his blocks and like three point attempts per 
like the minutes he's taking. He's basically shooting, he's shooting just a little under a three every ten minutes, and he's basically averaging a little. He's over a block every ten minutes. So if you, I mean, if, if that kind of translates, uh, you know, when the regular season comes around and he plays twenty minutes, probably take about two threes, probably get about mm-hmm. two blocks, which I think is kind of what people were more or less expecting Bamba would do. So rational people, yes. Rational. I people. mean, I would love for him to come out play forty minutes and just be Patrick Ewing, but I, he's not quite there yet. No, and that and, was evident at Texas too. And Vucevic is still there, right? I'm that's not, the other thing. I'm not saying they're going to play like Vucevic a ton of minutes, but they're probably. I mean, they're probably going to keep him around at least twenty four, maybe upper twenty still. I think you kind of have to. I mean, it maybe you trade Vucevic if you can. I don't know what team wants him. Like he's not. He's, he's expiring shooting, next summer, right? I think so. I think he but he's, he's shooting threes a little right. bit. And he's like offensively, he's really good. It's right. just that he's like one of those. Yeah. You know, I mean, to me, though, he's not like one of those guys that if you're, you know, if you're like a playoff contender, you're like, we're loading up. We're adding Vucevic as an expiring, <laughs> you know, maybe some maybe some other team in the East would want to do that. I don't know. That that seems like something like, I mean, honestly, the Bucks might do. Yeah. Instead of Lopez, had right. they not done yeah. that. Um, but no, yeah, I think, you know, selfishly i i would like orlando to play well because i like the isaac gordon bamba trio going yeah, forward but that's I think, cool that'll be fun i think if you're gonna bet on mo bamba to win rookie of the year that's kind of a fool's errand this year i wouldn't do it no i don't think he's gonna play enough um we talked a little bit about Aiden. josh jackson has not not been all that great he's been t- taking a decent amount of shots he uh at least from what i've seen of him you know been very hit or miss seems like he's kind of pressing a little bit um you know shooting 24 percent from the floor i think his balance is off because he cut his hair that's true yeah, yeah. It, it looks bad too and he's wearing i think he broke his nose too he's wearing Did a mask really? the other day yeah um i don't i like the the afro better that was a poor choice by him yeah i was a fan of it mm-hmm. but it looks like he needs to gain weight too by the way he looks just as skinny as last year yeah and i mean He's playing. He's like playing worse in summer league than he did yeah. at the end of when he was like starting for a portion of last season, which is very strange. Yeah. So I don't really know what that's about. And their starting lineup is, I guess, kind of up in the air at this point. I don't know if they're going to start TJ Warren and Trevor Ariza. Um, that's a good question. That's a spacing issue if Aiden's not shooting threes because Warren's not shooting threes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also don't. They don't have a point guard. Well, a Kobo, Elliot Kobo, um, Brandon Knight. Well, excuse me that's true i think they are gonna start right now he was at he was at he was getting interviewed on espn the other day i think i really? think he's actually the plan yeah at least to begin the year yeah i could see i could see people are really high on a kobo so i could see that happening mm-hmm. i think we'll see a lot of at some point booker at the one and then yeah. you go warren jackson ariza ayton you know with bender kind of going in and out there you basically have to start ariza right after after signing yeah. that deal yeah. I don't really see any way around that. It's not like you're starting Bender. He's not. I think he's. I right. think that's over. I think I, they want to go into more of a, a small ball look. You know, I, I, Chandler will probably play his token 15, 20 minutes. I don't. I mean, unless Aiton gets hurt, I don't think Chandler starts over him at any point. No, I don't think so. Um, but yeah, Josh Jackson hasn't been good. Dragon Bender has been even worse. They're a combined like 16 of 63 yep. from the field. Bender is like pretty close to being out of the league. If he can't, if he if he doesn't put it together this year, I don't really know because I think that will be his fourth year, mm-hmm. or this will be his fourth year, and that's you know so when he becomes a free agent, and then it's like, do we even is it worth it? There seems to be a lot of optimism around him. You know, like people are are hesitant to lump him in with like their other failed draft picks you know, with I, Alex Len and and Chris. I'm like, he's he's been just as bad. I don't know where the appeal is with Bender. I think in theory he seems like he should be good. He, he just he just misses everything. Like he looks like he you know he has a nice looking shot. He 
is you know has good build for his size. He just yeah. he just can't make shots. Um, okay, let's move away from summer league. We should say tournament play does start today. It starts pretty much right now as we're recording. Uh, the Lakers got the one seed, the defending champion, yeah. Los Angeles Lakers, which are looking to become the first repeat title winners ever in summer league. <laughs> um, they were one of five teams that went undefeated. If you're okay. wondering, um, but let's get into some free agency stuff. Like we said, we don't want to talk, you know, rehash LeBron to LA or cousins to, to golden state or anything like that. But, um, general Lakers thoughts, uh, more so on the ancillary signings other than LeBron, or, <laughs> you know, and, and even that's been covered pretty extensively, but to me, the biggest, like the overarching theme is that after eight straight years of going to the finals, LeBron seems content with knowing that there's a pretty good chance he won't get there next year. You know, like I, I'm not, I'm sure he thinks he can will this Lakers team to the finals, but you know, realistically, he has to look at this roster and they, more importantly, look at the rest of the Western Conference. Like this Lakers roster with LeBron on it right now is better than la- the end of the season's Cavs roster. No question about that. But when you switch conferences, things are a lot different. Right. Yeah. Like if the Lakers were in the East, like we have this argument, we can do that with yeah. almost any team in the West. But yeah, I mean, this Lakers team just like really isn't that good. Like a lot of it's, I mean, I think a lot of it's contingent on Lonzo Ball hitting shots. Because if Lonzo Ball can't shoot his threes, then you, I mean, what do you, you can't, you have like, your your floor spacing is horrible, like really bad. Like Ingram's a decent three-point shooter. He's getting there. Contavious Caldwell-Pope has, is basically the same percentage as Ingram. But like this team just, I don't, it's not that good. Like I, like I'm sure they'll win a decent amount of games because LeBron is there, but this move by LeBron, I don't think he's concerned. I think this is more of just like a long-term thing for him. Yep. I don't think this year matters at all. He, he did the, he won a championship in Cleveland. He did the thing. He right, and now he's just playing in LA like he wanted to. I think he's going to maybe have more fun with this year mm-hmm. than we've maybe ever seen him have. Probably just more like just I don't I want to call it LeBron like messing around, but he'll probably be a little more like showtimey. I think he'll be a little more relaxed. I think yeah. You know, I th- I think he won't. You know, like when the Cavs would have a bad two or three game stretch, you could see it on LeBron's face in the game on the bench. You yeah. know, he was standoffish. You know, right. basically just like you got to be kidding me. Look at like I think if things go bad at any point this year, he'll just kind of roll with it. I think I, so too. I could see him missing more games. Like no chance in hell he plays eighty two games. No. You know, I think this year if he if he rolls his ankle one game he might just sit out the next three, you know, like I I just don't see him going all in to will this team to like a seven seed and a first round loss. You know, I I think he'll kind of take it in stride. I do wonder though, like there's, there's a very legitimate chance in my mind that the Lakers don't make the playoffs. Like how damaging would that be? I don't know if you want like legacy wise. I think LeBron's legacy is pretty secure, but yeah, if LeBron goes to LA, there's all this fanfare. There are multiple murals being painted in LA. (laughs) His Jersey is already, they said his Jersey within like, a matter of minutes like outsold his jersey when he returned to cleveland four years ago like it's it like blew it out of the water in terms of sales right um like this is a very big deal if they if he comes back and the lakers just aren't that much better in terms of where they finish in the west you know how damaging do you think that is they finished 11th last year um and like it's it's hard to make like a super strong case you know that they you know that they'll pass a lot of teams like portland okc utah new orleans san antonio minnesota denver the clippers like 
I don't, I don't know if that's a for sure, for sure thing. The thing is they piled up most of their losses before the new year. Yeah. Like they actually, they may have been over 500 after the new year. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of looking at this. I can't, I can't eyeball it, but um, yeah. They had so injuries too. They had injuries. They really kind of turned the corner when Julius Randle was starting and now he's not there anymore. Well, I guess if you play someone with LeBron James, that's pretty good. Andre Ingram. Andre. <laughs> Nobody's talking about Andre Ingram. Like we, we keep talking about Lance Stevenson and JaVale. Like, what about Andre Ingram? Um, I think I think it's possible they don't make the playoffs. I mean, personally, I won't view LeBron like any differently because I think this year is kind of just like a it just it has to like they weren't they lost out on like the the Paul George sweepstakes and like some other free agents. Like that that portion of it, they all lost out on before LeBron even got there. It's not like LeBron got there and then they failed to recruit Paul George. That's not that's not really what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if they don't get Carmelo, you know, I mean, I don't think that's that big of a deal either. I think because there's I think it's a big deal. Of, I don't <laughs> think they should get Carmelo. That's a problem if they acquire Carmelo. Yeah, but I mean, the I think really everyone knows that you know the summer of 2019 is when actual this some this free agency was kind of this weird Mm -hmm. like anomaly but like next year is when teams actually have freedom and moves can happen so i don't want to say lebron's gone mailigan this year but i think he probably understands that next year is when the Mm -hmm. when he actually has to start being serious about the thing he's in a weird spot and the lakers are in a weird spot because if they didn't have lebron i think the obvious move would be and it is lakers so you know this isn't never really obvious for them specifically but the obvious move would be to just tank for this year, grab yeah. another asset, load up for next year. But when you have LeBron, you can't really tank. You know, like even if they were to miss the playoffs, they're not going to win 25 games and be in contention for the third pick. You know, like if they miss the playoffs, it's going to be close. Um, and, you know, I'll probably be eating my words in a few months here when the Lakers <laughs> are like the fifth seed because LeBron is LeBron. Right. I just don't think it's necessarily a given. You know, I mean, this this roster, I just said it's better than last year's Cavs roster. It is, but by that much, I'm not really sure. You I know, know, I mean, the Cavs were the four seed in the East and were extremely shaky for almost the entire year. The fits on this team are just as bad. I think the talent level overall is higher and the potential long term is much, much higher. Um, but, you know, we've seen LeBron struggle with new new settings and new teammates before. You know, the the Heat got off to a really rough start when he first went there. I think the Cavs, when he came back in in 2014-15, were like 15 and 17 at one point before he went yeah. went on that little hiatus to Miami. Um, so like you know, I don't I don't expect the Lakers to come out and be like 10 and one. You know, at the end of no. November, I think. I mean, at the very least, I think this will be a year where they can kind of feel out which of their young players plays best with LeBron, and if any of them are like a mm-hmm. complete non-fit. Although they don't even have too many of them left that they draft. I mean you know ball is still there and ingram who i think ingram and lebron could actually be like a really nice like small forward power forward combo kuzma off the bench i really like he's like a perfect six man um so i mean i guess that covers most of them but it is kind of ironic that they they went out of their way to tank to get julius randall and get d'angelo russell and those guys are just completely out of the picture like their second second or third best asset that they've gotten over the last five years was a late first round pick yeah and they don't their center situation is kind of up in the air. They have like I mean they I kind of like their options. Like Zubac, mm-hmm. everyone's been wanting him to get more playing time forever. It's finally going to happen, I assume. McGee is going to be ridiculous. Mo Wagner I like as a as a prospect. Mm-hmm. And Shannon Fry I think is They're he, very is high he in still my there. Too. 
I think Channing Fry is, but I don't know if he'll for sure be on the roster next year. I think they have a decision to make there. Oh, okay. Um, is it isn't it weird to you that LeBron James turns thirty four in December? Have you heard anyone criticize the Lakers for signing him to a four year deal? Like with with the Rockets and Chris Paul, it was like, <laughs> man, that's not going to look good when he's thirty six, thirty seven. Like we're just assuming LeBron is like on the ascent. You know, like he turns thirty four in December, and no one seems like he's. Ba- we're basically agreeing. Everyone's agreeing that he's going to just waste a year of his career you know his age 33 season we're just going to write it off and he'll come back in his age 34 35 season and that's when he'll go for the title like that it's it's absolutely insane that you know we can talk about you know an nba basketball player's peak continuing into his mid to mid to late 30s i think it's two things i think one's like chris paul's injury history maybe makes that discussion a little bit different and then i think some people think lebron like needs a year off and that this is it and like he won't really get the year off, yeah, I mean, but you <laughs> a know year what I mean? off means he'll play like seventy four games. He'll play seventy four games. You'll play thirty five minutes be a game. Fourth in the league in minutes. Yeah, exactly. So, um, all right, that's enough Lakers. That that topic has been beat to death. And I think <laughs> we said we we said we weren't. Well, you know, I, I think we are. Uh, the I don't know if people are prepared for the amount of Lakers coverage that's going to return to national media. Um, it's gonna it's be, gonna be it's gonna be too much incessant. Uh, Pacers. One of the more active teams, like we we've harped on pretty much all year, how few how few teams have the capability to really make free agency moves. Indiana didn't have a ton of cap room, uh, but they were able to add Kyle O'Quinn. They were able to add Tyreek Evans. Yep. They they overpaid a little bit for Doug McDermott, um, which if you read Zach Lowe's piece on ESPN that came out, um, you know he he had said a couple times in that piece that teams had to overpay for years. Which I had to, I read that back a couple of times, and I was like, "This is basically the opposite of what it used to be, where a yeah. player would take less because you're giving them a fourth or a fifth year." Whereas now, with the way that the cap is going up, players don't want to be right. You know, you don't you don't necessarily want a four year deal because you might be able to get out in two years and get more. So right. now you have to pay a player more to lock that player in for three years, which is what they did with McDermott. Well, now they have two of the same player. They have Bojan Bogdanovic <laughs> and Doug McDermott, which like really the play style is not too different no um, which actually Bojan did really well for them um he defended lebron arguably better than anyone was, else during that the was that was weird i didn't i didn't know what to think yeah. of that um, i don't even know if it's arguable i think he was the best defender on lebron <laughs> in the playoffs um they actually i mean they have a they have a nice bench mm-hmm. um i like the aaron holiday pick because darren collison and Corey joseph probably aren't really there you know if you're projecting them for 3 years probably not going to be there in three years like Collison's a little old Corey Joseph is like he would start games and then put up the same numbers as when he was a backup they're both expiring after this year too oh, okay and so Tyreek Evans they can he can do some ball handling and um the the Thad Young Sabonis Miles Turner Kylo Quinn front court is like pretty nice like high, all high energy level guys maybe aside from Dude, Thad in the Young East, that's an incredible front court <laughs> yeah um and they kylo quinn gives them some floor spacing although i don't know if he's hitting his threes as much as he yeah. uh, comes and goes but um yeah and tj leaf had a couple good summer league games like it's interesting yeah no i uh we'll get in you know before we wrap up some you know just kind of playoff talk but to me i mean indiana it wouldn't be shocking to me if they overtook toronto as kind of the third best team in the east this oh, year wow okay i, I mean Toronto seems like, like Toronto's reached its peak, right? You know, they, it's sustainable. Yeah, but they were the one seed, right? But I don't. I mean, I don't. I they don't, didn't get I don't have better. a lot of faith I, in I, them. Yeah, but. right. We'll, we'll we'll get into that when we get there. But uh, Bucks brought in Ersan Ilyasova at about twelve 
12.01, if, if that. I think yep. it was like midnight and like four seconds when he signed that deal. Yeah. A little bit of an overpay, I think, in general is the thought. But afterward, you know, the Bucks had said there were like five teams that were coming after Ersan. You know, it's not like they just threw him that offer blindly. I think they kind of had – there was a bidding war for him, not surprisingly. Uh, and the Bucks <laughs> won that. Yeah, I mean, Ersan really like w- – that trade to Philly like made his stock kind of go through the roof, even though he put up – he shot worse when he went to Philly than when he was in Atlanta. But he – I mean, I think the third year is a team option, if I'm not mistaken, for Urson. Yep. So it's not – I think two years at $7 million a year is pretty fair for Urson. Totally it's worth fair. the gamble, especially if you don't know if Jabari's coming back. Um, Urson might be able to play some, like, small ball five for you if you like the Urson-Giannis combination. You got Brooke Lopez in there. So, I mean, really just this move, the both the Urson and Brooke Lopez moves are kind of just signs that they're really just trying to get floor spacing yes. around Giannis, so, like floor spacing with size, mm-hmm. which is was the key. I mean, that was the idea of drafting Thon Maker. That's what they yes. wanted to happen. So um, I like both the moves overall. I think if you if you look at them combined, you get Ursan Ilyasova and Brooke Lopez for $10 million a year combined, um, which is a steal, yes. relatively speaking. Totally agree. I think... I think you, it's fair to say that they may be overpaid relative to market value for Urson, but I think you get Lopez at a deal. And like you said, when you combine those deals, they probably come out about right. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they did the right thing. I mean, it, when I don't think it's a given, you know, as, as we've seen over the last few years, it's not a given that Giannis is going to develop a three-point shot. Like at some point, I do think he'll get there, but we've been having the same conversation for the last three summers and it just hasn't happened. And like you said, I think this is their way of, of insulating for that you know if Giannis isn't a three-point shooter we, you know that that basically means that the other four guys have to be you know if the guy handling the ball isn't everyone else does so you know I still think Henson probably starts at center oh, but see, I'm gonna disagree with that you don't but think we'll so? see no I think it'll be Lopez I think he starts the season at center I don't know that he will hold on to that job Henson that is we're gonna disagree on this one okay well but. do you think do you think they would move Henson I mean obviously they would for the right price but do you think they will now that they have Ursan and Lopez on board would they actively be looking to move Henson? I don't think so because Lopez Lopez has been relatively healthy for a while. Like he's played at least like I think seventy three games, like for four straight years. Health was kind of a thing for him. Mm-hmm. But Henson is I mean, as much as I'm down on Henson and I don't think he's a starting center, having Henson as your backup center is pretty solid. Um a lot of teams don't have a a, a backup center as good as Henson. The issue is the money. Like you could get a player just as good as Henson, probably for less money. Yeah. So for sure, moving him, <laughs> moving him would be a financial thing, mm-hmm. um, obviously. But yes. um, yeah, I don't know. I think. I mean, yeah. I think if I I've looked at this a few times. I think Young shot like thirty four percent from three after the new year, and which is solid. And he had the the main thing with him. He's got that hitching a shot. And towards the end of the year, when you're shooting threes, it was smooth. Like, there was no hitch in it. So if that can continue, mm-hmm. then I think that's that's how he, you know, develops the shot. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of – I've talked to a lot of Bucks fans just being in Wisconsin over the last couple of weeks, and nobody seems, like, overly thrilled with these signings. You know, I think people are frustrated, um, you know, people who might not know the ins and outs of the cap. Like, why the why are the Bucks not in contention for all these big free agents? Um, you know, they're just one of 20 teams that don't really have the room, but their improvements are going to come on the periphery with guys like Ursan and Lopez and with internal improvement, you know, both in terms of Giannis and I think on the sideline as well. Like that's going to, that their big move 
was bringing in Budenholzer. Like that was their big free agency acquisition. Yeah, I think, yeah, people aren't talking about it like that because the Budenholzer thing happened so early and then people kind of consider these signings underwhelming, I guess, to some extent relative to like all the other stuff going on in the NBA. But when you take it all in as a whole, you get a guy who, who you know, who led the Hawks to a number one seed as, you know, used to be in the Spurs system, like obviously mm-hmm. like one of the highly respected coaches. And then you add some front court shooting. That's all, that's all people wanted from the Bucks. Like if they get some floor spacing and a better coach, that's going to be a great summer. It's right. exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. So it's overall successful. Yeah, no, I'm totally agree. Dwight Howard in Washington. <laughs> I really wanted, I really wanted Boogie and John Wall to reunite. I think that yeah, would that be a lot of fun. fun. I, as you know, I'm one of the few people who still supports Dwight. Almost ironically, at this point, it's getting really <laughs> difficult. Um, I just can't see this going well, right? Like Dwight and John Wall. That's not that's not a a combination that I imagine will get along super well. No, because Dwight likes to have the ball in the post and john wall's a pick and roll point guard right. and that they tr- dwight was a when dwight was in houston that was the plan well, james hargan is an amazing pick and roll point guard and you're going to do it and you're going to be amazing at it it's the same thing that happened in la mm-hmm. steve nash pick and roll point guard we're gonna have dwight howard run pick and rolls he hates it so like i yeah this probably i don't envision this going well at all no i I mean, in theory, it should work. I just don't think it's going to at all. I mean, Dwight, remember last, this time last summer, like almost to this date, there was videos coming out of Dwight draining threes, and he was like, I'm a stretch I'm a stretch five now. I'm going to adjust. He took seven three-pointers last year. He was one for seven. That that part of his game, I think we're well beyond that uh, ever developing. He, he is liking those, like, 16-foot bank shots, though, the little Tim yeah. Duncan. He goes for it once in a while. Yeah, that, you, <laughs> Tim Duncan cop. <laughs> Some of that you often get with Dwight. Uh, just a few more quick ones. Obviously, OKC, Paul George, you know, we don't have to dive into that. That's been explored. I'm very, very surprised that yep. that happened. I think I, I like much like the Lakers. I don't know that OKC is like guaranteed to be a playoff team. I think they may have over-celebrated a signing that so. keeps them in the mid-40s as far as wins. But, you know, again, like I think Zach Lowe also touched on this in, in his article today is like, what else are they going to do? You know, you're not, yeah. if you let that guy walk, the next move is all of a sudden you have to trade Russell Westbrook. So that's life in a small market. Um, Memphis and Kyle Anderson was an interesting one. I liked it. I like it as well. I'm a Kyle Anderson guy. Yeah. I I don't know what his ceiling is, though. I don't think it's very high. I think this was a very much win-now move by a team that I guess we kind of knew was in win-now mode. I it's just very hard for me to look at the West and find a place for Memphis in the playoffs. Yes. Yeah. Same with like Dallas. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, they're doing win now things, but like, what are the odds? Dallas isn't making the playoffs. No, but yeah, I like, I like Kyle Anderson. He had a great year last year. Um, just across the board, like a really good defender mm-hmm. pass as well. His shooting the three is like kind of still up in the air, but he's been over 32% for three straight years. So mm-hmm. he might get it. Yeah. No, I mean, if, if you're Memphis, like these are the kind of the type of moves that you're limited to, right. you know, relatively low risk, low reward, um, or medium reward, I guess. I just, I just can't see us looking back and being like, wow, can you believe Kyle Anderson only signed for, yeah. was it 37 million or something? I like think that? it'll be like a, I think it'll probably just end up being a fair deal. Yeah, I think, I think so too. And that's, you know, if you're Memphis, I think that's a win. Um, okay. Before we wrap up, I, uh, I ranked in both the the East and the West my confidence level from one through fifteen, um, <laughs> in terms of like which team I'm most confident in making the playoffs and least confident. 
Okay. So let's start in the East because that one's much less intriguing. I went Boston one, Philly two. This is, I'm not necessarily predicting the seeds. I'm just saying in order how confident I am that they will make the playoffs. Boston, Philly, Indiana three. Okay. Toronto four, Milwaukee five, Miami six, Washington seven. We'll, we'll pause there for now. Do you have any qualms with that that first seven? I think I would maybe put Indiana below Toronto. Okay. But that's really – that's it. Part of me – like both of those teams are making the playoffs for sure. Probably both going to be top five or top six seeds for sure. But Toronto to me, like I don't – I don't see them like rallying back from last year. It feels you know, like, like it's a little deflating. Like the I same agree. thing has happened to them three or four years in a row now, where you just get beat down in a playoff series, and this one felt worse than any of the other But LeBron's gone now. LeBron's, they have no. The baggage is gone. I guess I don't know. I mean, do you? If you're if you're the Raptors, though, do you look back and think like, man, we would we would have beat Boston, we would have beat Philly. I don't know. No, maybe they do. I, I don't know. I think they. That like, was their year because now Boston and Philly are going to be even better than they were last year. Yeah, I still, I mean, I'm, I'm like relatively down in Toronto as a team overall. I just, I still think their talent level is relatively yeah. high. I just think for them, it's, it's got to be really difficult if you're DeRozan and Lowry to just run this thing back again, <laughs> kind of in the back of your mind, knowing how it's going to turn out. Like, I don't, I would be shocked if they won the East again in the, in the regular season. Oh, that's not, gonna I don't happen. think that they're not like no. last year was their peak. I think yeah, kind of the same way that it was for the Rockets yeah last year right? i think their ceiling is the third seed yeah. i don't think they're better than philly or boston but i could see them getting the third sure. seed yeah i think i think it's boston and philly are tier one indiana toronto and milwaukee are tier two yeah miami's right there but it's a slight step below washington you know could be as high as if everything breaks right they could be as high as three probably everything breaks right dwight yeah. dwight oh, and john yeah. wall are, are buddies i don't think that's happening um so that was the top seven ending with washington pretty sure that those seven teams are getting in right like it would take yeah, several I'd... injuries for for milwaukee miami washington for those yeah. teams not to not to make it but with cleveland presumably dropping out at least in my mind there's one open spot for sure in the east i have detroit as the team that kind of by default just moves up there detroit and charlotte might be the only two that are really trying for it i would not put it past chicago to try really hard for it after the Levine signing, maybe because you're kind of on the clock now with him, and they were they were good for that stretch, but that was when Miritich was there, right? And then they traded Miritich. So I don't know how that's gonna. But I really, I like Wendell Carter. I like you know Chris Dunn had a really good year last year, like relative to his rookie year, or his, was that his second year last year? Chris Dunn, yeah, yeah. Um, for Levine's flaws, like he'll be essentially fully healthy this year, so we'll get to see that um they have some like their bench is really bad if they get if they get like one you know significant injury that's really gonna hurt them but i think they'll i mean i like you know fred hoiberg was a good he was a pretty good coach for i mean he got that team a good stretch of wins so i think right. they'll go for it i don't think they were as bad last year as the record indicates i mean they were really the first team to start tanking they were people forget a little earlier than they probably needed to but i mean in terms of starting fives in the east if we're to assume that Wendell Carter is pretty good, you know, Dunn, Levine, um, you know, I don't know who, who necessarily starts at the three. I know you're, you're an Nwaba guy. Maybe it's him. Yeah. But having a top six, I guess it would be Dunn, Levine, Nwaba, Markinen, Lopez, Carter. Yeah. That to me is like, is more intriguing. Maybe it's not better, but it's more intriguing than what Detroit and Charlotte are throwing out there. Yeah. It's a lot of, 
it's a lot of athletic guys, a lot of floor spacing, um, and they they move the ball a lot. They play a, play a fast pace, so that always mm-hmm. that always helps. So the next five, these are five teams that I would be. I don't think will make the playoffs. Brooklyn, Orlando, Cleveland, New York, Atlanta, in that order. At this point, it's basically those are my bottom five teams in the East. Orlando of those five is the only one to me that is a little intriguing just because we only saw like 20 games of Isaac. Aaron Gordon was hurt for half of last year. Vucevic was hurt. Fournier was hurt. Like they have, they have better pieces than the other teams in that tier. They do. Yeah. But Brooklyn, Brooklyn has like weird pieces to keep them afloat. Yeah. They're just like a very poor version of the heat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. West is much more difficult. So in order again, Golden State one, Houston two. uh, And again, I think they're kind of on their own tier. I have Utah three. Minnesota four, Portland five, Denver six. Okay. And you could basically talk me into just about any order for teams three through like nine. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, that that the Utah I suppose Utah I yeah, why not? Um My argument for Utah is Donovan Mitchell's only gonna get better. He really wasn't all that good for the first like quarter of the season when he, you know, was kind of still figuring right. things out and like wasn't even playing big minutes right away. Like I think he's he's only gonna be better. Rudy Gobert played half of the season. Basically. You know, I mean they were you know, Favors was kinda in and out, Exum was hurt. Like they they were a very good team last year with below average, I would say, injury luck. That's true. So to me, it feels like that was kind of their baseline, and you know, it's not like they're going to come out and win sixty-five games. But they, you know, if they won four or five more, that wouldn't be surprising. This LA, New Orleans, OKC thing is really tough. I don't know what of those teams. So are those are better. my seven, eight, nine. Yeah, I have no idea which one. See, of those this is teams this is where you better. start making the argument with OKC, where it's like, yeah, I, I think they should make the playoffs, but what team are you really confident in saying no, they won't make it because OKC is making it? If OKC makes it, that means that one of minnesota portland denver the lakers or the pelicans don't make it or or the spurs the i mean the 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 thing there if i mean if anthony davis gets hurt and that's the thing every year i mean he had a, he had a healthy year last year but that's always still on the table um and True. if alfred if alfred payton doesn't work out um and mm-hmm. they like wave him or something crazy like that then you're kind of going like Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore, Darius Miller, Julius Randle, Anthony Davis, which is mm-hmm. not good. And Randle's somewhat of a question mark too. I agree. So, I, but I I don't know if OKC is like I think LA and OKC are a lot closer in skill than I think people are going to acknowledge. The Lakers, you're talking? Yeah, the Lakers and Oklahoma City. Just the the combination of like. Depending on, okay, they were their defense was incredible when Andre Robertson was there, mm-hmm. and they the like, I I'm as Kyrgyz, I I criticize Westbrook as much as anybody, but Westbrook, Paul George, Stephen Adams is a really nice like one two three and is mm-hmm. pre, is very consistent, and L A doesn't none of those guys feel consistent to right. me outside of LeBron James. No, I think that's true. And, you know, comparing New Orleans and OKC to another team that I think is kind of on the same tier, it's like, I think I like Davis and Holiday more than I like Westbrook and George. Me too. I think, yeah. I think you you know, Westbrook and George are number two and three on that list if you're ranking the best players. But Davis, I think, is considerably better than them. And, like, the combination of him and Holiday is, is better to me in terms of winning. But the presence of Steven Adams, I think, is so big. Like, New Orleans, yeah. he's not a superstar. He's probably never going to make an all-star game in his career. But... 
he as a third guy to me is much better than what New Orleans has to offer. Like I I, I would say I'm pro Julius Randle. Me too. But yeah. Steven Adams is much more of a winning player than Julius Randle and more dependable player. Yeah, more dependable player. You never know. I mean, Julius Randle had an amazing stretch like mm-hmm. where he was where he was great. So I'm really interested to see how Davis and Randle right. work out because I think if Davis can I think Davis is going to play his natural position at center, mm-hmm. can block more shots if he can start hitting threes at like, you know, 35% consistently then that team definitely has a chance to take it up a notch because Randall's so good driving to the basket. And if the if the floor is completely mm-hmm. spaced, which is an issue with Alfred Payton there, so that's going to get confusing. But um, they'll be fun to watch, I think, Yes, at the very least. I think they're going to keep playing fast, right? Boogie they, was all that was keeping to, them from playing fast. You have to when, like, Randall is there. Well, Ran- I mean, we've watched Randall. Like, he was playing fast by himself in yeah, LA. Like, <laughs> if he gets a rebound, he's just going to go, and he's probably going to commit a charge on the other end. But... He's not slowing them down at all. No. So there's really, in my mind, there are 12 teams in the West that are really, really, really gunning for playoff spots. Dallas and Phoenix say they are, but I think at the end of the day, they really they know. Do you, do you think if Kawhi Leonard even comes back that San Antonio is even a playoff team? It's questionable, right? I I am of the belief that you can't write off the Spurs for obvious reasons. Like right. To me, they're they're in the mix. But like again, to I don't want to keep harping on this, but like the math says that one out of the Grizzly, or no, not one, four, right? Out of the Grizzlies, Clippers, Spurs, Thunder, Pelicans, Lakers, Nuggets, and like Blazers, like four out of those um, eight teams yeah. are not making the playoffs, which is insane to me. I mean, the Clippers probably dropped back a little bit, but they were also like the most injured team in the league last year. So who knows? Yeah, I don't have a ton of faith in the Clippers anymore. No, they Doc Rivers really coached them up last year, but the talent just got i think it might be too much at this point yeah i don't i like jaron jackson jr mike conley and we didn't even see real mike conley or marcus all last year but there's still two guys who are another year older who are already on the back ends right. of their primes marcus all's like 34 you know like even even if they get 82 games out of those guys jaron jackson plays pretty well as a rookie kyle anderson plays pretty well I still don't know if that's and enough for them they don't have a bench they have no bench they, their starting shooting guard is either ben mclemore Dylan Brooks or Marshawn Brooks. Wayne Selden looks really good in summer sure. league too, but I don't think he'll start for them. He's got he had some injury too. Oh, He's he had might. like a quad injury for like a year. Yeah, I just don't. And and honestly, if we're being realistic, eighty two games out of Conley and Gasol, there's very little reason to believe that that's possible. I'd put him at seventy five each. Yeah, and any game that one of those guys doesn't play, you know, unless they're playing Sacramento, is basically a loss. Yep. <laughs> yeah this is gonna be a lot of fun I, I mean i'm still not of the belief i'm very this is like the one old man take that i have when oh, it man. comes to the nba is i don't want i don't like i don't want a new playoff format i don't want one through 16 i i think it's reactionary i think things will come around the the i think the like um i don't know the combination of like the west being a complete bloodbath and the east being hilariously bad yeah it's kind of funny and entertaining in its own way yeah, it's I mean, not, I don't, I don't love the thought great. of like Denver not making it last year. Like that, you know, it's not like I'm rooting against Denver. I would rather have seen them in the playoffs than a terrible Washington team. Or... What, what if you just, what if you did it almost ha- like, what if you did the first four seeds, like the top four teams in each conference make it, and then mm-hmm. the remaining eight playoff teams are just by best record, like a combination would, yeah. that might be too like. Weird, I also but... don't think like. I don't even know if it's mathematically possible for it to be that imbalanced where like the four seed would be worse than like the eight seed in the West. You know what I mean? 
Like the four seed in the East last year won 50 games, which was more than the three seed in the West one. There was just more depth yeah, but in they're the middle. Playing easier teams though, yeah, more consistently. So you'd have to t- tweak the schedule accordingly, right? Is that what you mean? Um, maybe. I just don't think doing that. Like, I just thought that that idea. Head, like, I don't think it would really change anything, right? Because like those four teams were going to make the playoffs either way. Probably not significantly, right? But I don't know. Do you think like New Orleans is better than Toronto? <laughs> I mean, it's debatable. I, <laughs> I was saying that last year when we were doing these pods in the playoffs. It was like the the team that made the finals out of the East probably loses a series to like Utah. I think they probably go to like they went to seven with Indiana. Like, yep, the Pelicans probably take them to at least six. You know, I don't like the Timberwolves might have beat them. Who knows? I, yep. I really don't know. But it, the, the, the LeBron factor is such a it is. It's like an X factor. It's this. just the yeah, classic. There's really X-factor. no way to predict. Um, I do think though for for All Star. It, they should wipe out conferences. Yeah, you that, that is getting ridiculous. It's going to be, yeah, it's too much. Because that really does matter. Goran Dragic made the All-Star team That matters for contract year. stuff. That not. matters for legacy. Yeah. A lot of good players who are far and away All-Star caliber are, you know, what is, like, Dame Lillard has, what, like, two or three All-Star appearances? Yeah. He, something like that. I'm going to look this up right now. Like, he and, you know, guys, I mean, I like Kemba Walker, but Kemba Walker would, would have zero All-Star appearances if he played in the West. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, Lillard was not an all-star each of the previous two years before this one. He averaged 27, 6, and 5 in 2016-17 and was not an all-star. 